When I was growing up, my teacher used to send home conduct folders every week. Get my conduct folder, and in the comment section, she would always write, talks too much. And my mother would be my, ah, you know what? I learned, and I've come to understand. It's just my gift. I have been given the gift of gab, and that's just what it is. So we're going to be doing a whole lot of talking around here. What's up, y'all? Welcome to my very first podcast, the Black Family Therapy Podcast. I know a lot of y'all probably wondering, what is this? What is this all about? Listen, I'm very big on family. I was raised in, in a very big family. With that comes a lot of challenges, comes a lot of ups and downs and great times and also or, or times that impact, you know, your life forever. I'm just here to provide a safe space so that we can therapeuticize. Is that a word? <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word or not, but listen, therapeuticize, therapy to whatever, to, you know, therapy, okay? You know what I'm talking about, therapy. I believe that one of my purposes and assignments is to introduce a new perspective because sometimes it's hard for us to gain or see the full perspective of a thing. We just kind of get stuck in one way, one vein. We're going to get into a lot of family dynamics, a lot of structural things in families, and just how family operates. Hope that through these stories, these conversations, that somebody gain perspective and be able to, you know, even look at, look at and deal with their own families in a different way. Hey, let's get into some things, baby. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the Black Family Therapy Podcast right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So a little background about me. Growing up, I was extremely conflicted being raised amongst two polarizing families. And there has always been this direct contrast that's been very visible to me. My maternal family, which is my mother's family, it was a very big family. My grandmother had 14 children total. So if you're living in an all-Black community where most families are having two to three children or maybe even four, and you have 13 or 14, that's not exactly considered favorable. People are not going to just, in our community, people just did not see them, you know, in some high regard. And so as you can imagine, you know, having that many people in your family or that many children, you're going to experience some kind of poverty, right? So my maternal family, in my view, was a, you know, was an impoverished family. And they kind of met all of the statistics that go along with being an impoverished Black family. My paternal family was a middle-class family. They believed in higher education. They had decent jobs and they were revered as a family, as like a namesake, so to speak. Always felt some sense of love and deep compassion surrounding them. They were very well respected in the church, in the community, and they just had, you know, an air about them, right? So my grandmother would tell me that when she was growing up, you know, people would say or they would have the sentiments of that they, which my grandmothers and her sisters and siblings, thought that they were better than other people. And I've always asked her, well, why did people feel that way? And as I've gone, grown older, I kind of understand now 
what that is. And there is, and sometimes when, when that air is around you, we have, you know, sometimes we do play into certain energies, right? We do play into certain, certain stereotypes about us. That's just human nature. These things come along with the territory. When you are respected, when you are known, when you are on, on a certain level in life and people revere you and want to be like you and look up to you, it does bring a certain level of uh, confidence or a certain level of arrogance. That's just kind of what it is. You know, having a facade is all a part of being well-known in a family or in a community or in a, you know, what in whatever situation you're in. It's all a part of that. The polarization of it all always alarm me. As a young child, it's very conflicting because you're trying to understand family and what that is, but you're getting two direct opposite experiences of what family is. So the older I have become, I've learned the authentic dynamics that are existing. I've always felt very close to my paternal family, and I've always looked at them like this is my family. So whenever a person said family to me, that was those are the first people that I always thought of. Um, even though I lived in the home with my mother, I spent a lot of time with my paternal family. And that was kind of like the, the influence and the, I guess, the shaping of my life. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the Black Family Therapy Podcast right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today, I'm going to be talking to one of my closest friends, one of my closest relatives, cousins. We, we both entered the family in kind of like the same way through the male men of the family. A lot of our struggles and trials throughout our lives have kind of emulated and parallel each other. I'm excited to talk to her because I don't think that anyone has ever sat down and listened to her story and really understood things that she's had to endure and her perspective on the things that have happened to her and happened in her life. We're going to unfold and pull back some of this trauma. Ultimately, I want to be able to show you a pattern of how things don't just happen. There is a full manifestation of things that occur. Even though they are traumatic, things don't just happen out of nowhere. It's a long history of things that are at play that causes the major trauma to occur. And today, we are going to get into that. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to help me welcome my cousin, Kenyatta Kennymore. Let's go. <laughs> Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the Black Family Therapy Podcast right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, let's get into it. So, Kenyatta, what is your favorite color? Red. It's, it's three colors in one, but I I go with red, but it's, it's really red, black, and white. What is your favorite food? Um, Now, it would be crab legs. Like, I like seafood. Okay, so you're a seafood girl. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> I see you. Listen, so we're going to play this little game, right? So I'm going to call out three words, and you're going to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right, let's start. Here we go. Love. I mean, I love everybody. Family. Important. I love family. Family is important to me. 
I like to have a good time with family. Like, and I love, I like, I like to do family stuff. Like Thanksgiving, Christmas comes. I, I love that because that's, that's got something to do with family. Pain. Pain is, is, is hurtful. It's hurtful when it comes from certain people, uh, family members, uh, close family members, friends. You, I mean, it's just not a good feeling. Pain is not a good feeling. Pain is, is not what people want. Tell me a little bit about your family. Um, and I'm talking about your immediate family, like your mother, your father, your brothers, your children, and now even your grandchild. <laughs> Um, my mom, so what? Um, I mean, shoot, I'm a, I'm a lover anyway, but it's really not, I guess, probably like a mother and a daughter should be. Um, my kids, they're okay. They just spoil. So with me spoiling them, it, 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 what they say, how you spoil kids, they create a monster. That's, that's with them. And just, I basically, I just feel like everything just been on me. It's just all on me. So that's how I feel about that. Who raised you? I was on my dad's side until my grandmama died. My grandmama died when I was 11. So anything up on the 11 was great. And we did everything as a family. Everything was good. We were, we just, it was, it was good. So after your grandmother passed away, what happened? I went, I came, I went and lived with Charlotte. I came to stay with Charlotte. So just for clarity purposes, you know, I always like to be clear. Charlotte is your biological mother. Because I was living with my grandmama since I was three. And I just wanted to know how it feels to be with my mama because I wasn't with her. I was with my grandma. Shoot, by, that's 11 or 12 when I came to stay with Charlotte. By 17, I had my own apartment. Mm. Like, that's when the struggle came alone. When I left from those people, that's when, yeah, that's when I started experiencing getting put out and shit like that until I I became old enough and got my own. And then from my own, I done pretty much held it together. Now that you're an adult and a mother and you understand that perception is reality, right? How do you think people perceive your immediate family? Not good people, um, like we just dumb or or just don't know how to do nothing or just like think we nothing. And why do you think that is the perception or people see you or see your family in that regard? I don't know. Maybe because of school. I, I mean, I don't know. I really can't tell you that. That I don't know because I don't know. I don't know why they do. Ultimately, just displaying all vulnerability, how does it make you feel as a person? Or how did it make you feel as a person? Well, it wasn't a good feeling, for sure, because a lot of people that felt that way pretty much them, them were maybe not been through what I'd have been through, or maybe, you know, but it came from where I came from. I don't from. know. Maybe, um, maybe it's just that the judgment may just be on Charlotte. And it just carried on from, from Charlotte on down. I don't know. You know, I did what I did to take care of my people. So no matter how I did it, I did it. A family member once said to me in a previous conversation we was having when discussing my own family experiences, he said, you never had a chance. 
And I asked him, well, what do you mean by that? He said, if people did not care for or is not fond of your parents, then they automatically see you, the offspring, the same. So, yes, I believe personally that a lot of that is directly tied to the perception that has been had of your mother. So when you think about your paternal family, that would be your father's family. And I myself have had the wonderful privilege of getting to know some of them. Um, what is your perception about them? How do you see them? I love them. They're great people. Um, um, they, never t- they, they never told me nothing wrong. They never thought they were better than me. They never gave me, they, they just never did nothing that's just been just so wrong to me. They always, they always have loved me no matter what I did or what I'm doing or if I went to school or if I dropped out, it, it never mattered to them. They love me for me. So when I'm around them, I feel love. I enjoy myself. I have a good time. That's what we do. Like and me growing up without my dad was, was, you know, girls need their dad. The mamas could try to be there. They could whatever, whatever, but ain't nothing like a dad and a daughter. You know, I didn't have it. What was your dad's situation? My dad went to jail when I was eight. So before then, I was took care of by my dad. My dad worked at Emory Hospital in the pharmacy. He did 25 years, 25. So that's my whole life of growing up. That was hard for me because I was close to my dad. And when it comes down to your maternal family, which will be your mother's family. So question, how do you see your mother, the woman, the mother? She was uh, on welfare, you know, and she did the best she can. That's all I can say. She did the best she can. I don't know if her mom or her dad didn't teach her whatever they growing up. I don't know whether we was on Section A or just whatever we was on. She made a way. I could say that if food was in the refrigerator, we never had, even if it was just some beans and cornbread, we were fed. So I can say that. Well, she's somebody that you look up to or, or just whatever, no. I would like to give the people a bit of understanding of how you and I are actually related. Our grandparents, which is your grandfather and my grandmother, are brother and sister. And we share a great grandmother. And one of the things that was a family tradition for us growing up is that in the summertime, our great-grandmother, which we referred to her as Big Ma, she would get all of her great-grandchildren and some of her grandchildren who were in our generation or age group, and we would spend the entire summers with her. And so we would be in a house full of, you know, other kids and cousins and all that stuff. So we kind of grew up together. We had a sense of family. And to me, there has always been uh, these individual families that exist inside of the bigger family structure. That has created a lot of hierarchies in our family. What was your perception or experience with our great-grandmother? Big Mama never treated me no wrong, no kind of way. She did. She never made me feel... Like I wasn't family. She never, she always, so she treated all of us the same. Our great-grandmother passes away in 1993. I'm 10, I believe you're 14. And at that time, a lot of the family dynamics began to show up and become, 
you know, just at, at the forefront and they're able to be seen now. What is your perception of that? It been crazy from the start with us because they felt like Mac ain't have no business messing with a woman that was like my grandmama. You know, my grandmama was a, yeah, she wasn't educated. She was from the hood. Uh, Mac and, and Bob Brand didn't have no business going together. This is what said to me about my own grandmama. You, how, how you going to say that? Because you don't work that that was good. Hell, you worked no over there at the damn print, the birth, the printing place or birth, or whatever that place was. Anybody could have went over there and got that kind of job. You ain't never been no motherfucking nurse or nothing. How could you just say he couldn't been with her? Okay, well, he was with and he had two children. A, a lot of family is based on going to school, getting degrees, and not just, not just, and that's what this family is. See, because you go get degrees that you, it makes you better than the next person. That's not true. I, I've been living 40-some years. I've been on my own since 17, and I'm making it. I, and see the thing and the difference between me and whoever else, my mama live with me. I don't live with my mama. You know, I feel like people or family members don't really know you. Let me explain that. If you have a person telling people X, Y, and Z about you, those people don't know because they aren't there with you, right? This person is or was there with you. Those people have not built a relationship or a bridge with you. Then they create these narratives in their mind about who you are based on what they are being told. Now, here's what you have to realize is that nine times out of 10, what's being told is the negative aspects of who you are, which then ultimately handicaps a person from seeing the full you. So now people start to treat you in a certain way based on the narrative. And we're talking about family. I do want to take a moment to pivot the conversation and talk more about uh, family traumas or just traumas in general. One of the things that I've learned about trauma is, in my view, I see it as twofold. There is internal trauma, which is, you know, trauma that happens to you within your village or within your family structure. And then there is external trauma that happens to you as a result as, as, of you moving through life. The definition of trauma, I think this is so powerful. It says an emotional shock following a stressful event or physical injury that may be associated with physical shock and sometimes lead to long-term neurosis. What I do know about trauma is that if it is left unresolved, there are many things that can trigger that. If a family member has been the source of a person's trauma and they are disrespecting that family member constantly, then that is an example of what can be a trigger to someone's trauma that has been caused. Let me ask you this. What can you relate to your childhood that grew into something extremely traumatic for you. Even bit mama would say, come on, she missed us and this and that. And Daryl would go, but I went, I didn't want to go. I just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel welcome. I was picked at and, and, and nobody ever did anything. So there was a particular female family member that constantly bullied you when we were amongst the bigger family. 
So tell me this. What are some of the things that happened? He know that I used to be her. She used to beat me up. She used to put boogers on me. Just put boogers. She used to pick. She did all that. And as a child, as a young girl, little girl, how did that make you feel? That's why I never wanted to. When it was time for the summer, when Charlotte would try to send us off, that was just one place I didn't want to come. So now that you are an adult, what is that relationship like between you and this female family member? Because we do have a lot of family events and family gatherings and family get-togethers. We've had that in the past. What is that relationship like? Just a hey and bye situation. Uh, if it wasn't for you trying to make me hang out and, and, and be with them, it probably would have never happened. So as an adult, there's a situation where a person, and we're talking about this same female family member, holds you at gunpoint. Prior to that incident, since you guys have been an adult, had there been any other hostile exchanges, arguments, or fights to occur between you two? Overall, no. I, I just stay away. Like I said, a lot of a lot of the, the pulling the family together, uh, her coming to my house and this and that and me talking to her was because of uh, Keo. Okay, paint the picture. Paint the picture. So first, help me understand, this female family member was married. Okay, the husband was best with my best friend. I really, really, really didn't have a idea that they was because I I started a relationship and I moved on with my life until I was called by my cousin on my mom's mom's side and said go pick up my kids was when I actually knew that they was doing whatever they was doing. I didn't have nothing to do with it. All right. So you received a call to go pick up your baby cousin because things had escalated in the home of your best friend. When you arrived at your best friend's house, what was happening? It was already it was already gunpoint. It was already the husband hollering, put the gun down. It's not that serious. But the gun was still waved and it was pointed and it was going from from whoever was talking. Whoever was talking, the gun, the gun was pointed at us from the time I walked in the door to get the child. I mean, I don't know what kind, what stage of mind. I don't know what her mind was, so I didn't really say nothing, but I'm coming to get my my little cousin. She let me get the baby and said stuff like, bitch, you know, she pointed the gun right at me and said I knew, and I didn't know. All right, let me get this straight. Let, let me, let me, okay, hold on. Let me wrap my head around what is being said. Once you have escaped this near-death experience, because after all, we are talking about a family member, someone you've been around all your life, practically. In your mind, in your heart, what are you feeling? Like, what are you thinking? Hell, I wanted to fight. And then it just, it, it, it gave me flashbacks of just since we was little. It gave me flashbacks of how you just done picked on me and stuff. The whole while we 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 was children since true it, it just took me back there and and that made me at that point then go around that family for real 
So I want to introduce into the conversation your brother, your biological brother. You guys share the same mother. His name is Darren. We've kind of, you know, made mention of him before, but I want to bring him into the conversation because he too was there when the gun was actually pulled. So Darren, just to be clear, you was there and you saw with your own eyes the gun being pulled, not only on you, but your sister as well, that day. That day. So help me to understand, why was the gun even being pulled? Because um, she knew about um, what he was doing. Right. Yeah, so I don't, she, was, she, was, she was stupid for that boy. It was never told because I didn't never tell. I mean, well, I told my mom, but I never told, like, her family, her mom, her her aunts, and everybody that just thought that she was whatever. I never told. I kept it hushed like I always did. I just ran away from the situation. Have you ever received any acknowledgement, accountability, you know, an I'm sorry? an atonement for such volatile and irrational behavior. It never been talked about again. When you did speak on it, which was many, many years later, it came back up in a now-deleted Facebook post. People had a hard time believing or challenging time believing you. When you're speaking on the things that actually happened to you, and your own family don't believe you as if you're lying about what has happened to you. What do you say to that? I know and God know. And she know. She know what she did. It happened. I would get on national TV I, with her standing beside me. It happened. Put your hand on the Bible and tell me that it didn't happen. Until you could do that, then everybody could kiss my ass because I know what happened. I am a firm believer that you cannot tell a person when a person's trauma no longer affects them. It is for that person to work through. It is for that person to come to the place of acceptance. I believe that trauma is it's in stages. You have to acknowledge the trauma. You have to accept what it is. And then you have to figure out or the responsibility of figuring out how to respond to your life circumstances as a result of this trauma that you have experienced. Ah, so much to talk about, so much to get into. I can't wait for the next episode for y'all to join me. It's going to be incredible. Hey, I love y'all. Thank y'all. Make sure you subscribe to the Black Family Therapy Podcast exclusively on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's the only place you're going to hear me. 